Welcome back to episode 37 of the All Out Blitz podcast. Today, we are going to be covering a NFL Week 1 recap, talk about Scott Frost getting fired, college football Week 2 recap, stars of the week, college football top 5, NFL Week 2 preview, college football Week 3 preview. Sorry, I read that wrong. That's my fault. I know, I know. A lot of reviews and previews, and then we're going to go back through Blitz picks. So, jammed week, we'll try and get through these topics rather quickly. Yeah, so, how was your uh, week of NFL football? Week one, obviously, in not the books. Lie. For me, personally, not a good week of NFL football. Both of my fantasy teams lost and the Titans lost. That's about as bad as it gets NFL-wise for me. So, yeah. Speaking of fantasy, I had the worst performance. I mean, we're all in the same league. I had the worst performance in the league. It's a 10-man league. I was dead last. I wouldn't have beaten anybody. So I need to step it up. I need yeah, to make you, some moves, some guys, moves, you know, You guys trades. do need to step it up. You know, I dragged Tom into deep water. <laughs> Brendan uh, put up uh, double digits. One ten. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Great week. Brendan barely cracked triple digits. I had a good week, but Will just... Will had Cam Akers and still put up like one one seventy one seventy. So yeah, that's 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 insane for you. So oh yeah, oh for yeah. your other players. So enough fantasy. The games: Bills, Rams. That was wow. That was last Thursday night. I was really impressed by the Bills just watching them and that offense. So Bills, Rams. I don't know if it's. Honestly, I don't know if it's more good on the Bills or bad on the Rams. Like, the Rams had to go to a silent count in their own stadium. That's embarrassing. And Stafford threw three picks. I, and the Jalen Ramsey, one of the best defenders in the league, one of the best players in the league, in my opinion, looked horrible. So, but enough bad about the Rams. I thought the Bills played extremely well. Do- Josh Allen looked like an MVP. Uh Diggs played well. Gabe Davis played well. Uh, everything was clicking on offense. Their run game, which was a weakness last year, looked all right. And they don't even need a good run game because their passing game is so good. So, I don't know. What's your opinion on that game, Will? Yeah, I I was actually really surprised. I knew, like, I figured the Bills were going to win um, because the Bills, you know, as we saw, I think they're probably going to the Super Bowl. But the thing with the Rams is I thought they were going to clean up a lot of things they had last year because last year their team kind of seemed pieced together at the last minute, and then they went on and won a Super Bowl. I thought they would be even more polished and uh, better because they didn't lose much, and then they gained Allen Robinson, who hardly even saw any targets. Um, So I'm – I don't know, and Stafford is just seems to keep throwing picks. I don't know if it's the NFL has figured him out and there's no going back or or what the deal is, but um yeah, the Bills looked amazing. The Bills receiving core is unbelievable. Their worst receiver could probably be a number one on the Bears right now. Yeah, I think they're probably the most complete team in the NFL. Josh Allen looked borderline unstoppable. But we'll see. They got another tough matchup coming up next week against the Titans. We'll talk about that game a little later on. But yeah, how so, about how about the game Monday night? Geno Smith, the Seahawks. I think they were six and a half point dogs at home. Russell Wilson getting booed at at in Seattle. And what are your thoughts on that game? I thought that was crazy. Um, it was a great game. Geno Smith looked incredibly polished he made so few mistakes he looked completely poised and calm the entire time 
I never thought we would see anything like that out of him. So I'm really happy for him. And it was a it was very impressive. It was a great game to watch. Um, I anticipated a little bit that the Broncos have, would have some trouble because much like the Rams were last year and the Bucks were the year prior, they're kind of pieced together at the last second. But you'd think a team like that could just completely out-talent a team like the Seahawks. You know what I mean? But further elaborating on that, the Seahawks, their strengths are through individual talent in the running back, like not like a solid running game founded on good blocking or anything like that. It's just Rashad Penny and what should be Kenneth Walker just going crazy on their own. And same with the receivers, like DK getting open and being strong and uh, Tyler Lockett doing the same thing. So it looks like the Seahawks just managed to keep their strength just ahead of the Broncos that are still finding their identity. You know what team, I was thinking about this, a team that they remind me of. Do you remember the Minneapolis Miracle team that was led by Case Keenum at quarterback? Oh, you mean the Seahawks? Yeah, like the Seahawks remind me of that team because – they have a lot of talented guys, individually talented guys, like the Vikings had Stephon Diggs that year, and but like the Seahawks have DK, but they're led by a career backup quarterback that yeah. has been around forever, you know, really smart guy. I think they're capable of being like that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and it's weird because – I didn't expect the Seahawks to be, you know, I know it's very speculative because it's only week one, but I did not expect to see that type of team out of the Seahawks. If anything, I expected it out of the Giants because the Giants are riddled with individual talents, but seem to have no foundation. Right. So anything else week one you want to get off your chest? I, I Say it get, now. I need to get some. Oh, I know chest. you do. So. I need to get some off my chest. The floor is yours. So, uh, I'm not sure if anyone's watching at the moment, but I am a big Titans fan, as a lot of the follow Blitz audience knows. And I felt throughout the whole first three quarters of the game, I felt extremely confident that the Titans were going to win that game, almost like no competition. And then the fourth quarter rolled around, gave up two big plays, boom, boom. It's a three-score game. Or no, sorry, three-point game. And Titans ended up missing a field goal losing the game, whatever. Like, I'm not going to put that on Randy Bullock that he missed a field goal. Missed field goals happen. But what I am disappointed about is the offensive play calling. It was sad. I think they ran the ball. Like, I get it. You have Derrick Henry. He's really good. But if they know it's coming, it kind of takes away from that. They ran the ball on 15 of 17 first downs, I believe. And – Whenever the offensive coordinator decided to try and get cute and do something special, it was a horrible time. Why would on third and one you have Derrick Henry? Why would you do a jet sweep to a rookie tight end when you have Derrick Henry on third and one? You know what I mean? Hey like, man, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I didn't see it coming either. I I apparently the Giants did. But well, I, I thought, thought the Titans outplayed the Giants in every way. They exec- the plays that were called they executed well. Tannehill played really good. Uh, Henry still had 80 yards, solid game. John Trill Hilliard had two touchdowns. I thought Burks looked good as a rookie. Aside from the muff punt, Kyle Phillips looked good. But they just have to get their play calling right on offense if they want to have a successful season. Defense also looked great. Uh, Danny Dimes was under pressure all game. Rashad Weaver 
second-year player, didn't really play last year, had two sacks. Big Jeff was going crazy as usual. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. The the Titans, even though the scoreboard didn't reflect it, it felt like a very Titan-dominant game for just about the right. entire game. Yeah. They made very, very few mistakes. It's just their creativity in getting Derrick Henry the ball was completely non-existent. You know, it's like yeah. they, they were ready for it every single time, and it's just – you know, that's you got to find ways to get the ball to your playmaker, and they were not very good at it. Their biggest strength on offense is run and play action, but they ran minimal play action, and it was all run. Derrick Henry's at his best when the throwing or passing game is also doing well. So if you mix in run, run, play action, run, like don't be running it first and second down every time. Like, obviously, Derrick Henry, one of the best backs in the league, he can do it all himself. But you also have a quality quarterback and quality receivers. Use them and then use Derrick Henry to open that up for them or vice versa. You got a lot of weapons, but you got to use them correctly. Get guys like Robert Woods and Traylon Burks the ball. Yeah, you know, but to give the Titans a break, uh, that was the best Saquon Barkley performance we've seen in years. He looked like his right. old self. Yeah, it was I yeah. I mean the Giants really only had like uh, Saquon had a good game throughout, but the Giants really only had two big plays, and that was almost their entire offense. So I'm not too upset with how the Titans played. I don't by any means think, oh no, we're in trouble. It's just that one got away. You know, games get away from you and that one happened to get away. So Okay, you, you think the Titans are not in trouble? No. But I'm going to ask this. Are the Cowboys in trouble? The Cowboys are loss? absolutely in trouble. They're, they didn't trouble score a touchdown. Trouble is not the right word. The trouble is not the right word. They are out of playoff contention <laughs> by, by my standards. Yeah, every other team in their horrible Division One. Like, yeah. it's they, they got problems. Jerry Jones put together a gross team. I get their left tackle. His name is escaping me right now. Tyron Smith, I think. Yeah. He got hurt. That definitely has a big effect because he's their anchor for uh, protecting Dak. And then Dak got hurt. It's it. They got problems. Their offensive play calling was crap. I know we were talking highly of Kellen Moore last week, but is it was crap. I mean, there's not a lot you can do with Cooper Rush in the fourth quarter, but they, they got stuff to figure out. Yeah, Dak is uh... – the lifeblood of that offense. I, I understand how people may think it's Zeke, but uh, look at how they built their team. They built their team with, you know, strong receivers, and their running backs are just there to complement it. But Zeke, is I don't think he's going to return to his, uh, his peak form. Uh, Pollard is, you know, he's about average, but when he's playing better than Zeke, they don't give Pollard the ball because they got to treat Zeke as the starter. And now without Dak, who's like I said, the focal point of that offense, I, I don't know what they have. They've got they've got a cornerback with a nose for the ball but allows two hundred yards a game. I mean it's like Right. Like I think Micah Parsons is probably the best player on that team, in my opinion. And I mean, that's great he plays well, but you can't have one good pass rusher and that's that. You know, Randy Gregory's gone. So they got problems. They have again that's they have players with high talent but no structure. Right, they and, didn't build a foundation. But now if Dak's out, they 
like how are you going to get CD the ball? You know, they're going to have to find get creative or something, change it up. Right. It's just it's tough because I personally am not a big believer in Mike McCarthy. I think he was uh, riding the success of Aaron Rodgers when he was in Green Bay, and he's not going to be able to be put on the hot seat because his um because he hasn't had a quarterback. And you know they can't they can't blame it on him when he could easily point saying Dak wasn't healthy, Dak wasn't healthy. But I don't think they have a good head coach either. No, I think if they don't make the playoffs this year, Mike McCarthy absolutely has to go. Um, I think Kellen Moore is good. I know I just hard. I agree. On their offense sucked that game, but uh, yeah, I don't know. They got issues. Jerry Jones put together yet another crap team and overhyped them. They just got too much money in all the wrong places, essentially, is their biggest problem. And the way that their contract situation is, it's not like they can even go into rebuild mode for, like, two, three years. So, Yeah, I got to say, I, I hated that Sunday night game. Yeah, it was brutal. I, I found it extremely boring. The rest of the games, though, I thought were awesome. Yeah, any other final comments from Week 1 NFL? Uh, a little disappointed in Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, uh, but he's... He's done it before. He did that before. Yeah, he was, his he first game last year was terrible, and then he won the MVP. He's so. a back-to-back MVP. I don't yeah. think we can count him out yet. Uh, the Darlings of Hard Knocks, the Lions played. Um, looked good. They, they looked fine. I mean, everyone looked good. Swift was Swift looked like a change running back. I have never seen him play that good in the NFL. He looked great. Um receivers have to polish up a little bit. It seemed like the receivers and Goff were either either receivers are running the wrong route or Goff thinks they're running a different route. They couldn't connect. Goff looked awful on the deep ball. Um, the defense looked looked fine. Uh, they looked about as good as I thought they would against uh, what's a horrible mismatch for them in the Eagles because the Eagles have uh, – you know, a lot of different good running backs. They've got a strong receiving core, and they've got a super, super mobile quarterback. That's about as bad of a mismatch for the Lions defense as you can get. And they hung in there. The game could have gone either way. Um, but yeah, I'm not too worried about the Lions. I'm, I'm. I think the Eagles are probably going to take their division. I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah, I think we're going to wrap up the NFL here. I just wanted to say something real quick about the Lions. I thought. Everything went well, or as expected. Like I expected, okay, uh, some of these young guys to play well. Like I thought, Rodriguez played well. He's their highest graded player. But um, I thought everything went well besides Goff. Receivers were getting open. I know, like Chark had a drop early, but aside from that, I thought most of the team looked well besides Goff. Goff looks like crap, but I agree. I'm I'm confident. I'm uh, with. Uh... Washington coming to town. But, I, I mean, this, year, this year's not super important. It's next year, and Goff probably is not going to be the guy, so I wouldn't sweat that too much. Right. All right. College football. Let's go to Scott Frost. He has been fired as the coach at Nebraska after just four awful years. They were apparently a, a consistent 9-10 win team, and then Frost got there. Thought everyone, everyone thought that he was going to take him to the promised land. Turned out to be the exact opposite. Never made a bowl game at Nebraska. Got off on one possession games. He's out. To me, they should have waited until October 1st. I'll tell you why. The buyout on his contract, $15 million right now. 
October 1st, that buyout drops to seven and a half million. So Nebraska, the administration, they basically said, we will pay Scott Frost $7.5 million more dollars to leave right now instead of waiting three weeks to do it. I mean, I don't know what that says. I mean, they want him out, obviously, but to me, the timing seemed odd. I don't think you it's right to fire a coach three games into the season. I've been calling for Scott Frost to be fired for probably two, three years now. But to me, week three of the season, you don't fire a coach because then that's setting the team back, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I just I was thinking about this. I remember the days when Nebraska was begging for Scott Frost and like they, they wanted him bad. They thought he was gonna, as you said, take him in promised land. But uh, yeah, I they must so there's two reasons why I think they fired him now instead of three weeks from now. One, they think they can still salvage this year. Actually, three reasons. One, they think they can still salvage this year. Two, something behind the scenes badly happened and they would just wanted him out of okay. the building. Three, they didn't want to hurt recruiting any more than it already has been hurt. So it depends what what's valued to them. A recruit seeing a couple more wins this year, potentially, or Scott Frost just being terrible for three more weeks. Yep. Those are three reasons why I think they could have potentially fired him early. To me, okay, you look at the, obviously, $7.5 million extra that they're paying him right now as opposed to if they fired him on October 1st or after. Think of what you could do with that extra $7.5 million. Facility upgrades, stadium upgrades, NIL money. You can do a lot of stuff with $7.5 million. It might seem like pocket change to the boosters and, and the athletic program there, but you can do some, some significant stuff with $7.5 million. So to me, something's got to be going on. I think they should have, from outside perspective, I think they should have waited. Obviously, I'm not inside the program. From outside perspective, I think they should have waited to October 1st and then canned them right, right on that date after that game on October 1st. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think by firing the, by firing him at this time, they're attempting to show that regardless of the outcome, we're trying to win and we're going to be the best at all times that we possibly can. But I, that's not what I see. If they were trying to portray that, I don't think it worked because, like I said, like you brought up, um, a lot of funding is just completely gone down the drain for essentially no reason and he's probably a few years overdue for being gone yeah i agree with everything you said yeah they're 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 gonna be a rough program for a few years unless this unless they can turn it around this year and somehow make a bowl game or something i don't know i mean if they beat oklahoma this week i'll i'll be like no they they were right in firing him right now because i know for sure scott frost wasn't beating nebraska here's the thing here's the thing I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Oklahoma. I wouldn't be either. They have a good roster. Like, they have a good roster. It was literally poor coaching was the reason they were losing these games. You don't blow that many, like, that many one-possession games in the fourth quarter with without poor coaching. For sure. And, and, I mean, the defense was just putrid against Georgia Southern. They gave up, I think, 600-plus total yards. Like, that's just unacceptable at Nebraska. And you're playing Georgia Southern. There's no chance in hell you give up 600 yards and you're keeping your job. So yeah, that's, it's, it's embarrassing. I don't like playing the guessing game of who's going to be the next coach, but I know Matt Campbell's name has been thrown around. I don't think he's leaving Iowa state. I know Gary Patterson's name has been thrown around. He's an analyst at Texas now an assistant coach there. So we'll see who's the next coach at Nebraska. They obviously have a head start. I guess that's a positive. They have a head start in the coaching search. 
have a couple months now before everyone else starts getting in in the uh, coaching carousel talk. So college football week two, let's get to the football. Alabama, Texas was the biggest game from Saturday. I mean, we all said Bama was going to roll, but we that was wrong. not the case. We that was wrong. not the case. The most important takeaway from this, Bama survived. They they survived and they advanced. You know, there's not a lot of breathing room in college football. Like we know, if you get two losses, your national title hopes are done for the most part, unless something crazy happens. So Bama, the most important thing is that they survived and they won. Texas should have won this football game. They were bad in the red zone. I think they had like four or five red zone trips, only came up with one touchdown. They should have had the field goal at the, at the uh, end of the first half there. Texas was awful in the red zone. They, how, how many points did they lose by? One. That was the difference in the game. Texas lot, Texas was horrible in the red zone. I mean, Bama did enough to win in the end. They turned it on in the fourth quarter after a bad first three quarters. So, yeah, Bama survived. Texas should have won. I mean, Quinn Ewers, if he was still in the game, so, I mean, people have been saying, oh, Texas would have won if Quinn kept playing and if he didn't get injured. But they were just bad in the red zone even when he was in the game. So my takeaway from this game, like, it's got to – if you're a Texas fan, that absolutely has to sting. Being that close to beating Bama and your team being back back on the map, but it's in a few weeks we're not even gonna think about. Oh yeah, this was a close game. We're we're gonna forget. You know, this could be one of those games where Bama, let's say they're undefeated in November, and you're looking back at oh their September results, and you're like. How the heck did they play a one-point game against Texas? But it's not going to matter because they won. It's not going to matter, yeah, because they won. Yeah, it's yeah. – I, I don't know. And the other thing is just the way the media is with Texas, Texas is going to get an absurd amount of praise for almost winning this game. Well, they deserve a lot of praise, I think. They do. They've come a long way. But they should have won it, though. They had it. They yeah. had it, and they gave it up. So I don't know what's worse, not winning this game or – like, because – what is what is barely losing this game show about Texas? It shows oh maybe they can't finish. Maybe they're you said they're horrible in the red zone. If that's going to be a problem all year, it's going to be tough to win games. It is, but if you look at the spread, obviously it was twenty point game. Bama's the much better team than Texas, and Texas proved a lot of people wrong. That defense played lights out for most of that game. They were incredible, and if obviously if that defense continues to play like that. They'll be in contention for a Big 12 championship, I think, down the line, if they continue playing like that. Will they? I don't know. Did they just play out of their mind for this game? I don't know. We'll see. So Texas still has a lot of tough games left. They have a long road to, uh, to drive down. So I still think that Bama is the number two team in the country. I wouldn't be surprised if their offense has no problems the rest of the year. I'm sure Saban can. Saban's really glad this happened. He can look at this game and see all their problems in film and diagnose yeah. it and take care of it. Sometimes so. it takes a close game to uh, kind of get the juices flowing. It's a wake-up call maybe for Bama here. Right. All right. Let's get into uh, some of the upsets. A lot of upsets on Saturday. We talked about Georgia Southern beating Nebraska. Scott Frost gone. But Texas A&M, this to me was the most shocking. Losing at home to App State. App State just came off a giving up 63 points to North Carolina, which is just absurd. And they walk into College Station, hold Texas A&M to 14 points. There's something wrong with this Texas A&M offense. Really? It's, you don't say. I do say. But 
it's really hard to put a finger on it for me. You could point to the quarterback because obviously Haynes King's not the greatest of all time. I think Max Johnson should get some time. I don't under, I also don't understand why Jimbo didn't put in Max Johnson in the game. Things weren't rolling offense, put someone else in, get the game going. You know, maybe he's a spark. I don't know. You don't know until you put him in. Um, Haynes King is not that significantly much better than Max Johnson. I don't think, but there's simply no excuse for Texas A&M losing this football game to a team that gave up 63 points against North Carolina app state's defense. I'll give them credit, but they're not that good. They just aren't. And A&M is just inept on offense. It's, it's the quarterback. It's the offensive line. It could be the scheme as well. Yeah. I, like how much did uh how much did Texas A&M pay for App State plays game like a mil? Probably a mil to one point five. So it, I just I can't wrap my head around that. Like, the, are they looking ahead? Like, I I don't think it's that they're looking ahead. I just think it's that Texas A&M is straight up not that good this year. They're so young. They're so young. I don't think like Jimbo had them ready yet. You know. I agree. So I don't know if it's more good on. Appalachian State are bad on Texas A&M, but it, they got issues. They I wouldn't be surprised if they ended the season unranked after that monstrosity. So. Yeah, and another monstrosity is uh <clears throat> Notre Dame. I mean, just losing to Marshall. Sorry, my voice was gone. Yeah, that's really sad. That's that's almost worse than Texas A&M losing to uh, Appalachian State, in my opinion. I Notre Dame. The problem, the way Notre Dame works their schedule, they still play Clemson this year, correct? So they still have to go out and play Clemson. And you just lost to Marshall. You've already lost to Ohio State. Marcus Freeman has not even won a game at Notre Dame. That's mind boggling. He's 0 3. No Notre Dame coach has ever done that. Started 0 3. Like, it, it's sad. It. Like, how do you recover this year? You don't. It is. There's just no explosivity on offense for them. Quarterback's yeah. an issue. Wide receiver's an issue. Running back's an issue. They're just not explosive on offense. I don't know what else to say. The it, offense is bad. It's a terrible look for Marcus Freeman. Absolutely horrible. I I like the guy. I hope he turns it around. I was never a fan of Brian Kelly, so, but I just, I, I don't know. All right. So, any other reactions from week two? Uh... Oh, uh, I want to talk about Tennessee Pitt real quick. Uh, that game went to overtime. Great mate might be the best win of Josh Heupel's career so far. Uh, Tennessee lost to Pitt last year. Uh, the Kenny Pickett Pitt obviously is a lot better, but uh, great win. Uh, heading into SEC play for the Vols. I know we still have another week, but uh, I think that that was crucial. They won that game. That kind of sets them up to have a good season. Maybe. Maybe hop into New Year's Six if they do well against their uh, own division. Got to beat Kentucky. Got Florida coming up in two weeks. That's a huge game. They've already sold out Neyland for the Florida game. So, Yeah, Tennessee's an exciting team on offense, but yeah. I thought the defense played well against Pitt. Yeah, I was, I was surprised to see the defense be as good as it was, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I my voice isn't feeling great after that impassioned okay. Texas A&M speech. But. That's okay. All right, stars of the week are back. Anyone want to start us off and just basically who performed well, who stood out, who gets a star of the week? I've got to give one to Gino. That was a great performance. It was gritty. It was gritty. He showed some real grit there. Yeah. He looked so calm, and he was so accurate, and he was, like, 
not loose with the ball at all. He didn't do anything where it should have been a pick six or, you know, anything like that. He looked like a pro. He looked exactly like someone who has been preparing and practicing like they're going to play for eight years was supposed to look. Right. I'm, I'm happy for the dude. He hasn't really gotten an opportunity, a real opportunity, since he was on the Jets and beat out Drew Locke for a starting job. He didn't just walk in and have the job. He, he earned it in camp. So, uh, yeah, good for, good for Gino. They wrote him off. Yeah, he didn't write back. That's right. Let's go, Gino. I'd like to see him have a quality season. I know we already talked about that earlier, but me too. I think that'd be good. Good for him. All right, I'll go. Sam Hartman, Wake Forest quarterback, coming back from blood clots. I mean, he was ruled out early August, I believe. He's back, medically cleared to compete against Vandy. I mean, he went off 18-27, 300 yards, four, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Wake Forest wins 45-25. Welcome back, Sam Hartman, to college football. Great to have you back. What a story. Uh, really likable dude. All right, so for my star, I got – uh, Jacoby Winman of Michigan State. If you haven't heard this guy's name, like he's he's that dude. Uh, he's got five and a half sacks in two games and four forced fumbles. When is the last time you've seen someone with four forced fumbles in two games? It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, he had a four sack game against Western Michigan. Remember the name Jacoby Winman coming up this year's draft, the rest of his college football season. I think he's back to back defensive player of the week in the Big Ten. And then he was a national defensive player of the week, week one. So, yeah, I mean, extremely impressive, great talent. Mel Tucker found another portal gem, absolute gem, absolute gem. This time on the defensive side. So that's for that's the stars of the week. Now we got college football top five rankings. Each week, me and Tom do our top five. So this week, uh, Tom, you want to start? Yeah, mine's the exact same because they all they all won. So there's no one that really I felt deserved to move up because like Texas A and M lost. They're done. They won't sniff the top five this year. Uh, so I still got Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma. This week kind of cemented my reasoning for having Bama below Georgia because they've now both played a quality opponent and Georgia smacked their quality opponent and Alabama barely squeaked by. And then as for the rest of my top five, they all won, so there's no reason to move them. The only move in my top five was I swapped Georgia-Bama. I got Georgia one, Alabama two, Ohio State three, Michigan at four, Clemson at five. So, same as last yeah, not, week. Yeah, not a lot to talk about here. Yep. We'll see when we get into playoff poll time. It'll get a lot more interesting. It'll get, yeah, it'll get, of course, it'll get interesting. Some of these teams will lose. Some of these teams will pick up quality wins. Might see a little bit of movement. Some new teams we might not expect. Maybe Tennessee. Maybe. I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. A lot of big football games still to come, even in week three. Miami might be a team to watch out for. They're undefeated. They're playing AM. We'll talk about that in a little bit. All right. Next. Well, we got a lot of football this weekend. A lot of football NFL, left. college, football Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we got Monday. Chiefs Chargers tomorrow. Chiefs Chargers tomorrow. Let's talk about it. What do you guys want to see in that game? I want to see just uh, – I want to see some electric offense. You know? I felt like that was missing the on Sunday night football. And honestly, every mm, – Sunday night and Monday night football both didn't kind of lacked electric offense. Not that – I mean, Sunday night game sucked. The Monday night game was good. I'd like to see some electric offense. Uh, I didn't get a chance to really watch the Chiefs last week because it was a blowout, and I was like, why would I pay attention to that? So, uh, yeah, I think you might see who's going to run the show in the AFC West with this game. 
Yeah, I agree. I I hope to see a lot of really good offense because both of these teams just showed dominant offense last week. And uh, but another guy, I want to see Derwin James. Yeah, I like I've always liked him as a player, but he hasn't seemed to be healthy enough in a while to play a really quality offense like this. So I want to see what he can do. Uh, that's a that would be a feel good story if he came out and was a stud this year. Got a comment here from Joe putting Tyreek in the slide, but not a Chief anymore. Yeah, I just found a picture of the Chiefs Chargers playing. So yeah, it's it's a really outdated picture because the Chargers have their own uniforms. That it's the San Diego <laughs> it's Chargers. Still in San man. Diego, yeah. I want to go back to that. Screw LA. Yeah. All right. Any other comments on these games? I'll run through the slate. Uh, so we got obviously Thursday night. We talked about that Chiefs Chargers. That's tomorrow. Uh, Commanders Lions. Lions looking to pick up that their first win. Commanders already want to know. Thoughts on that game? I, I, I think the Lions can do it this week. This is the first week they've been favored in twenty or so games over a year, and um, Philly is a better opponent than um, than Washington. So, logically thinking, they can pull you know, it off. You know the Lions and logic, though. Hey, hey <laughs> all right. I don't know. I I just think if we just feed Swift, I think you could take this game. I don't know. Uh, just right. get, get the ball away from Goff as much as possible, and we should be fine. I think I think they can win with Swift, and I also think I know Carson Wentz had a good week last week, but he's he's he has his moments, and he if he has a Wentz game where he you know will throw a shuffle shuffle pass interception to Aiden Hutchinson like. You know, any anything can happen when you play Wentz. He can light you up or he can absolutely suck and the Lions could dominate. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions won by two scores. Yeah. Like it wouldn't shock me. That's what I'm hoping to see, but I feel like it's gonna be a very, very run heavy game. The Lions have shown that uh they can't they can't totally stop the run. They're not like a lockdown run defense, but um and the Lions strength is a run, and then you've obviously got uh Gibson on the other side. So I feel like it's right. gonna be a very run heavy game. Yeah. Okay. Uh Bucks Saints also one o'clock game on Sunday. That's a big game in that division. Oh yeah, we wanted to address the Saints. Yes. I I'm really high in the Saints this year. Not necessarily as a Super Bowl favorite, but kind of a, a dark horse team that'll come out and be better than people thought they were. All of their trades and acquisitions over the most recent offense or off season kind of indicated that they wanna win now as well as uh, Jabu's performance last year, before he had the ACL injury, he was looked like an MVP candidate. And now that they've got all of these really good receivers, I think they might be a really good team that will come out and surprise people. My question to you guys, or whoever whoever wants to answer, do you think there'll be a consensus number one receiver at the end of the season on the Saints, or, or what do you think? Um. If in if an injury doesn't happen, no, because I think Olave is gonna become a really big target for them. But then we saw Michael Thomas, who's the red zone threat. So it's what do you value more yards, touchdowns, that sort of thing. I don't think there's gonna be a consensus number one as long as no one has a major injury. But I think it's gonna be between Olave and Michael Thomas. I agree with you, although um, 
third guy. His name just escaped Jarvis. Jarvis. Landry. Like, how could I forget Jarvis's name? He had more targets than anybody on the team list. list. Yeah, I, I could see. see there's Jarvis. no way the three of those guys stay healthy, but I could see Olave emerging and kind of passing up Jarvis because I'm sure the Saints are not counting on Jarvis for their future, but they are most definitely counting on Olave. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Their weak, their only weak spot was Alvin Kamara for some reason, but I, I feel like that will resolve itself soon enough. You know, Kamara was huge when Drew Brees was running the show and the short pass was really important to them, but now they got all these deep threats with uh, Olave and Jarvis. It's a different offense. It's not the Drew Brees Saints anymore. Like, Jameis is great at the deep ball. It's, it's a different team now. So, I mean, maybe they're going to have to use Kamara a little differently. All right, Sunday night games, Bears, Packers. Packers need to bounce back. What do we think? Uh, I think the Packers are going to steamroll them, to be honest with you. I would be far more surprised, even if the Packers only won by a little bit, than if they don't steamroll them. They're, like, I don't think there's any way they lose. Yeah, I, I know the Bears won, but like that game was gross. The weather was absolutely terrible. They were going against Trey Lance in his first ever start. Like, it... That game was a mess. It's hard to get a good read on the bear on how good the Bears actually are. I mean, I'll give Fields some credit for going out and getting a win. A win's a win, but it was kind of gross. If the Packers receivers look terrible again, then you can start worrying about the Packers. But I don't believe that to be the case. Yeah, uh, Titans Bills Monday night. It's a big game. I just I just saw the headlines. Schools uh, near the Buffalo Bills Stadium are having half days because of all the traffic around the stadium. That's Good vibe crazy. with the Bills. Obviously, big fan base. So they're ready for the season. They're ready for this game. What do we think, Titans Bills? So obviously, the Bills are favored. I think what was the line seven, like nine and a half. Nine ten. and a half. We're gonna, we're gonna pick it a little bit later. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans bounce back, come back and win, get a little more creative on offense at the right times. Uh, the Titans have beat the Bills the last two years on both being prime time games. Uh. The guys show up. I mean, obviously the Bills are favored. I mean, we'll get to the pick in a second, but I don't think it's as tough as a matchup for the Titans as people may think. Yeah, I think uh, the Titans obviously didn't look as dominant as the Bills did, but they're the Titans' defense is a good matchup for the gunslinging offense of that the at the Bills. Right, have. you have multiple strong corners. Uh, I want oh Roger McCreary. Made his first ever start for the Titans. I think it was second round pick. He allowed one reception for five yards. That's it. So, and then Christian Fulton was great. Size, I know he let up a huge play to Sterling Shepard. But aside from that, he had a really good game. So that's two strong corners. Obviously, Byard's an all pro safety. And the pass rush is really good. I don't hate the matchup. I know the Bills are favored, but I don't hate the matchup. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Yeah, Titans offense is going to have to look like a completely different team than last week. Though. Right. Yeah, they're going to need – Henry's going to have to take over, and we're going to be able to have to get guys like Burks the ball. Burks is – I could tell he's a playmaker. He's got to get guys like that the ball. Uh, there's two games on Monday night. The other one's the Vikings and the Eagles. What's our feeling towards that game? What are we feeling? That's one of – like I'm gonna really watch that game really closely. I'm I'm really excited. That's a peculiar matchup. I don't know who I would pick. Um, but I think it'll be a really good game. I think it'll be high scoring, 
and uh, you're you're gonna see a lot of different guys get the ball, even on the um even on the Vikings side of things. Uh, yeah, I, we'll see, cause the Vikings. What did you say? Like Justin Jefferson was responsible for like eighty percent of their offense last week. Yeah, we'll see if they can bounce back into quality opponent. Yeah, the Eagles won, but their defense still gave up thirty something points to the Lions. Very true. So, so I, I I don't know. I, I'm gonna probably go with the Vikings this game, but I, I think it'll be a, it's a good matchup. Two very different teams, both with strong offenses, though. Any other final comments out of the week two slate? Nope. All right. Well, it's week two in the NFL. Week three in college football. We got some teams that need some wins. Texas A&M is one of them. They're hosting Miami. That game's at 9 o'clock, a late kick. There, uh, Miami's undefeated. Texas A&M is 1-1. This game is intriguing to me because Texas A&M's going to play motivated. I think they will. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites, which I think this game should be closer to like a pick game, to be honest. But A&M's going to be motivated coming off after that loss. And after you lose, you kind of want to play a good team. Because if you play a bad team and and you win, that's that loss still kind of lingers. But if they can bounce back and pick up a big time win, beating Miami is going to be a big time win if they do so. Texas A&M needs that, and I'm intrigued to watch the quarterback situation. Is Haynes King going to play the whole game? Will uh, Max Johnson see some time? I don't know. We'll see. Offensive line needs to play well as well. Tyler Van Dyke is very capable of carving up the A&M defense as well. Uh. For me, I, I think the biggest thing about this game, it might, it's probably not for really for Texas A&M, in my opinion. It's for Miami. Put yourselves in contention by winning this game. Be the best yeah. team in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a signature win to win at, at uh, Texas A&M. Hostile environment. It'll put them right in the playoff race, that's for sure. So Yeah, be the best team in the ACC. Yeah, so big game for Miami, big game for A&M there. Uh, the early slate at 12, Georgia goes to South Carolina, their first true road test of the year. Georgia should take care of business, but we said that about Alabama against Texas. It could be close there. I don't think it will be, but williams Bryce Stadium is always a tough place to play. So Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Michigan, J.J. McCarthy's playing as uh, the starting quarterback there. They're playing UConn. We talked about Oklahoma, Nebraska a bit. It wouldn't shock me a lot. If Nebraska pull out a win without Scott Frost with Mickey Joseph in charge, uh, Oklahoma, good offense, solid defense. I really like their defense this year. They're much improved there. Uh, the 3.30 slate to me is the most intriguing uh, time slot here. BYU-Oregon kicks off at 3.30. BYU is coming off a big win against Baylor at overtime in, in overtime at home. They belong in the Power Five. This team's a really good team. Jaron Hall. They got size to them. They look like a Power 5 team. They're built like a Power 5 team. They got to prove it in at, in uh, Austin Stadium in Eugene. So Oregon's still a good team. Despite the loss to Georgia, I'm confident that they'll be hovering around the top 25 for for the majority of the year this year. So BYU Oregon's one to watch out for. Penn State Auburn's giving, giving me some, uh, some interesting vibes because Penn State – is a slight favorite. I think they're a three-point favorite at Auburn. So, Auburn, crazy things happen in Jordan-Hare Stadium. We know that kick six. And uh, obviously the miracle, the prayer at Jordan-Hare that was called against uh, Georgia there back in 2013. So, weird things happen at Jordan-Hare. Auburn always pulls off a game that they're not supposed to win at home. 
this to me smells like an Auburn win. I'm just saying. Penn State's better in every facet of the game, I think. But I don't know. I just have a feeling Auburn's going to churn out a win here. Hey, this could be, you know, Sean Clifford has those crap games. Could be one of them. Auburn sneaks up on you. Boom. L. Could be. Not. Uh, it's definitely a possibility. So, uh, Pitt is traveling to Western Michigan. Who scheduled that? That's interesting. Uh, Tennessee hosting Akron should take care of business there. Michigan State going on the road, the number 11 team in the nation, going on the road to play Washington. This spread's a little wacky. It's at Washington, I think, minus three and a half now. It's interesting because these teams, to me, are very similar. Michael Penix is quarterback now for Washington. He did be played well against Michigan State in 2019 and 2020 when he was at Indiana. Obviously, Michigan State's a much different team now. It'll be interesting to see how Michigan State's secondary looks this year. We know they were bad last year. How much do they improve this year? We'll find out. And I think the running game is going to be big for Michigan State. Washington struggled against the run against Portland State, their last opponent. So if Michigan State can get the run game going, I think they have a good chance of pulling the upset. I did that in the air quotes. Yeah, I think this is a chance for both teams to prove themselves. Uh, I think, I mean, Peyton Thorne has not been himself, but if there's ever a time, you know, it's it's this week. You know, come out, get the offense rolling early in the game. Defense, continue being solid. Keep taking the ball away. It's all about the ball. Keep taking the ball away. And, yeah, so go out and get a win. Yeah, uh, Utah has a tough one at home against San Diego State. That's one to watch out for. I think that's at 10 o'clock. Uh, Fresno State, USC. That's an interesting game to me because Fresno State has a really good offense with Jake Hayner. I'm interested to see how USC's defense plays here. You know, USC also is a good offense. Wouldn't be shocked to see this game get into the 60s in terms of the total points scored between the two teams. So Fresno State, USC is a game to watch out for. Any other final comments on this uh, week three slate? I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I am game day in uh, Boone. Yeah, I like game that. Days in game Boone. days in Boone, North Carolina. It's kind of ironic because they kind of – I thought they just stole the college game day straight from Texas A&M because I thought heading into week two that A&M would host game day week three because they are playing Miami. Like and that's big game, top twenty five matchup would have been probably top fifteen if A and M won. So I, I think App State just stole college game day right from Texas A and M, which is kind of funny. It's real. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the Friday night game too. Uh, Florida State's playing Louisville. That's interesting. I mean, Florida State's undefeated, two and zero, so have a chance to pick up a solid road win against Malik Cunningham and Louisville. Uh, yeah. So let's get in some blitz picks shall we so there are the rules i'm not going to go over them again pause it read them to get involved so week three or excuse me our week two champ stressed gamer dad congrats you won here were the standings from week two uh he had 13 points tom and will just behind with 12 there along with college capper seven i'm at the bottom at nine i had i had a good week zero good week one so if you look at the season standings right here me and Will tied with 25 points. College capper seven at 22. Uh, a few other guys. And then Tom, you're at 19. So I had a bounce back week. You did so, have a good week. Yeah. Good bounce back week. Not far off. A lot of football. Left. A lot of football. Left. A lot of football left. All right. Let's pick these games. Week, week three. Let's start with college. BYU at Oregon. Oregon's favored by three and a half. Who are we going with? I am taking the Cougars straight up. I like that pick. Will? 
Uh, I'm taking Oregon, and they're going to cover. I'm going to go with Tom here. I'm going to go BYU straight up. I think they're the better football team. They're built better along the lines of scrimmage. People aren't respecting BYU enough. Give me the Cougars. Cougs. The Cougs. All right, Penn State at Auburn. I said this game is giving me some interesting vibes. Some got my spidey senses are tingling. What are we feeling for this game? Penn State fair by two and a half. Give me Penn State to cover. I know what I just said, but give me Penn State to cover. I'm taking the same. I'm going Auburn straight up. Give me the dogs in this one. Not the dogs, oh, but wow. like the underdogs. Oh, not wow. They're obviously not the Bulldogs, but War Eagle here. I'm going both underdogs, BYU and Auburn, to win straight up. Will I go with a third underdog? I don't know. Miami, Texas A&M. A&M served by five and a half. Tom, who you got? Uh, I got the got Miami to cover. Who wins outright? Oh, a and Miami wins it. I'm going to triple down on the underdogs. I'm going Miami to win it outright. I think AM will look a lot better. But Miami, Miami's offense, I think, is going to be a difference here. Tyler Van Dyke's going to carve, carve up the uh, AM secondary. So give me BYU, Auburn, and Miami all to win straight up. All right, NFL, the Bucks and the Saints, big game in that division. Bucks favored by two and a half. Where are you guys going with? Um, I don't think the Buccaneers got a real matchup last week. I think the Saints are ready. I'm taking the Saints straight up. I'm still thinking. I just talked so highly about the Saints, but I have a rule, and it's not to bet against Tom Brady. But I'm going to break that rule. Saints are winning it. <laughs> Rules are meant to be broken for Will, not for me. I'll take the Bucks minus two and a half against the spread. Give me the points as well. So minus two and a half, I'm going Bucks. Titans, Bills, Bills favored by nine and a half. It's a lot. A lot of points are given up right there. So Tom, um, I hate picking against my favorite team, but I'm gonna say Bills win, Titans cover. I'm taking the same because Bills are insane, but nine and a half is crazy. Nine and a half is wild. You said nine and a half is crazy? I'm crazier. Give me the Bills. <laughs> minus nine and a half. Energy is going to be great in there. Good vibes. It's going to be loud in the, in the Buffalo there. I'll take the Bills. Minus points. All right. Vikings, Eagles. Eagles favored by two and a half at home. Who are we going with? Give me the Vikings. Straight up. I'm trying to think about why the Eagles are favored. I don't know why. I think, personally, the Vikings are a better team. I think the Vikings are a better team. But the, Vegas has got to know something I don't know. I'm taking the Eagles, and they're going to cover. I'll take the Eagles as well to cover. I'm going three underdogs in college and the three favorites in the NFL. That'll make it easy for me So to remember. All right, that's it for the Blitzplex for the week. I'll post a tweet with these, these exact same games, these exact same spreads tomorrow morning. So get your picks in tomorrow morning, and we'll see who comes out as the week three champ. And maybe uh, there will be some separation at the top between me and Will. Uh, here are the season standings yet again. So good luck to everyone picking. May the best man win. So that's going to do it for this week. Any final comments ahead of the weekend of football we have? Go Green. Go white. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for us. We'll see you next week.